car commercials for Christmas have always cracked me up just a little bit. One, because I don't know anybody that buys somebody a car without talking to them, all right? And I, maybe, maybe you have, maybe you just drove by a dealership on Christmas Eve and said, my wife would really love that car. Um, by the way, here's your debt payment that you're going to be making for the next five years. And maybe that's you, I don't know. Um, but it's just always kind of cracked me up of people giving cars for Christmas and things like that. But I think out of all the car commercials, Lexus probably has the best ones. And those are a little older, but I kind of, uh, I just, that one, especially with the boy sitting on Santa's lap and dad kind of coaching him over there, the wheels and the entertainment center, just uh, always kind of sticks in my mind. And then Lexus has this slogan. They've changed it now, but it was, it used to be, if you're going to wish, wish big, all right? And apparently, I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't ask for Santa, I didn't ask big enough from Santa when I was a kid because no cars ever showed up in our driveway. And uh, this is always this question over the past few months or weeks of what do you want for Christmas? And it's a question that we've asked our kids. It's a question that other family members have asked. It's a question that's been the question for weeks now. What do you want for Christmas? And even we were doing some visits with some folks the other day, and uh, that was one of the questions they asked our kids was, what are you asking for? What do you want for Christmas? And today, many of that, for many of us already, that question has been changed. It's not what do you want for Christmas, but the question now is, what did you get for Christmas? And if you've had a chance to talk with a kid, and you can kind of tell the excitement. There, there were some things they were really excited about. There were things they were uh, just overjoyed about. And, and you could probably ask them, hey, out of all your gifts, which one were you the most excited about? And you probably didn't even have to ask that, because when you just ask, what did Santa bring you, or what did you get for Christmas, they probably just like word-vomited everything to you, and they just told you everything. And so you knew what they were most excited about. Out of all the gifts they had, which one they thought was the best, and which one they thought was the greatest. And so this morning, uh, we're going to spend some time in God's Word, very familiar passage to most of us, and we're going to see that God has g- indeed given us the greatest gift, uh, the, the best gift. And even beyond the dreams that Lexus could come up with, this is the dream and this is the gift that we need. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me uh, to again a very familiar passage, John chapter 3. Uh, We'll simply read three simple verses, verse 16, 17, and 18. My goal is to be fairly short this morning. I know lots of folks have plans. Um, And I was joking earlier that we've used these candles now for a couple services, and I hope they last. And they just told me that I have to talk fast. Um, So we'll go with that, all right? Uh, So John chapter 3, verse 16 starts with this. For God loved the world in this way, that He gave His one and only Son... So that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world, that He might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. And anyone who believes in Him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned, because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank You so much. God, for Christmas. God, we thank you so much for the love that you have for us. And God, even when we were rebelling against you, even when we didn't want to think of your existence, even when we didn't want to acknowledge of who you were, and God, we were taking all of your blessings that you gave us for granted. God, we honestly turned our backs to you and slapped you in the face and spit on you, and yet you came to this earth to show us how great you loved us, Father. And so, God, I pray that through all of that, the words on our mouth are just the words that we sing. God, let us sing hallelujah. 
God, let us praise you for the God that you are, a God who loves us beyond all measure, a God who gave us and showed us what the perfect gift looks like so that we can experience life with you forever. And so, God, I thank you for this opportunity to worship you, not just on Christmas Day, but on a Sunday. And, God, I thank you for an opportunity to worship you uh, with these folks that are gathered here and the folks that are gathered online this morning, Father. God, I pray that you speak to us in this time. God, I pray that we hear your word. God, I pray that we see your gift for what it is this morning, Father. And, God, I pray that as, even as now, as we're preparing to leave this place, God, God, let us leave here with this message of how great your love is for us, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. For some of you, you are really good gift givers. And for others of us, we struggle just a little bit. There are folks that, that just have a talent for giving gifts. I'm going to be honest with you. My wife is one of those people that she is an amazing gift giver. And things that I don't even think I need, she knows that I need them. And she gives them to me. And, and things she does the same with our kids. And uh, she's an amazing gift giver. And, and I'm one of those who struggle to give gifts. I'm one of those who uh, just try to, it takes me a long time to try to figure out what I want to give and if this is going to be a good gift or not. But I remember when I was younger, uh, buying gifts for my parents, and my mom was pretty easy to buy gifts for. I mean, she was, she was a mom, and, and I don't know if she was always excited or she just played that way on Christmas. But for mom, it's just that special. Like, you could walk into uh, JCPenney's or Sears or Belk, and you know, they used to sell those little necklace and earring combinations together. And it didn't matter what it looked like. You could buy that for mom, and she on Christmas morning, she would just tell you it was so beautiful beautiful and so lovely and how great it was and again it may have just been mom doing what moms do right but she was so excited it didn't matter what the gift was it just lit up her day and lit up her christmas that you could get to her anything uh, my dad he was a little more difficult to buy for right and uh, the reason he was a little more difficult to buy for was because he was somebody that if he needed something he was going to go buy it Right? And he didn't need a lot. He didn't, he didn't want a lot of things. Um, and so your best bet to buy something for dad was just to head to Lowe's and, and go to the tool section and, and pick out something there. But the problem was that the tool section in our basement pretty much overshadowed the tool section of Lowe's. There wasn't much in the tool section of Lowe's that he didn't already have. And the other thing that made it more complicated was that if you did find out something that he had that he wanted, like, hey, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? What are you needing for Christmas? If you found out, like, he needed a new screw gun or something like that, and you went out and bought it, if Dad needed it, he was going to go buy it, even if it was on Christmas Eve. And so I'm going to tell you, there was more than one instance where I bought Dad a gift and found out that he went to Lowe's and bought that exact same thing like the day before Christmas. And I'm like, well, dang, what do I do now? And then, so then Dad just winds up with two screw guns that year is what he did. But the, uh, there was one Christmas in particular that I will never forget as a kid. I, I asked Mom what she wanted for Christmas, and then I asked Dad. I said, Dad, what, what do you want for Christmas? What is it that, that I can really get you for Christmas? And instead of telling me what he wanted, he said, well, I'll tell you what I don't want. I don't want any tools. And I, all of a sudden, my jaw hit the floor, and he said, because tools mean that I have to work, and I'm tired of working on all the stuff around this house. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. As a son, I don't remember how old I was at that time, but I'm pretty sure every gift I gave my dad to that point was a tool. And I'm like, well, 
shoot, I don't even know where to start now. Like, where do you shop for dad besides Lowe's tool section? And I had no idea of what to get him. I had no idea even where to start. And, and, and this idea of coming up with a perfect gift, and he wasn't any more helpful than that, of don't get me tools. I think we ended up getting my gift card to a, a restaurant. So he didn't have to work. He could just go eat, which is his, probably his favorite thing to, and ever to do. And so we, we struggled once we found out that he didn't want tools to come up with this perfect gift. What is it? That's the perfect gift. And like I said, some of you sitting here, some of you that are online, you are good gift givers. Like you can come up with a perfect gift and, and you can just nail those things. And the rest of us struggle with that. But the beauty of Christmas is that Christmas shows us what the perfect gift looks like. That, that Christmas is a reminder that the greatest gift ever has already been given to us. But before we, we look at the gift itself, if we're going to see what makes it the perfect gift, we first need to understand what a gift is. Right? And one of the things that we have to understand about a gift and what makes Christmas and all these presents and gifts so special is that gifts cannot be earned and they do not have to be worked for, right? There's a difference between uh, uh, something that you work for and something you're given as a gift. There's a difference between working and earning something. That's a wage or a compensation. That's actually being paid back for something that you've done. So your company or whichever, whoever you work for, when they give you a paycheck, that's not a gift to you. Right? That's paying you back. That's compensating you for what you've done or what you've contributed to the company. Right? So let me just give you this illustration. If I went to the barbershop, which I don't do, but if I did go to the barbershop, and I, don't even, I haven't been in the barbershop in a really long time, so I'm just going to make this up. If I went to the barbershop and he had a sign on the wall that said, haircuts $20, right? And I walked in there and I sat down and he gave me a haircut and I jumped up out of the chair and I said, looks great, here's 15 bucks. Here's a gift for you, $15, and walked out of the door. I don't get to count that as a gift, right? That's not a gift for him, right? Even if I gave him the full $20, that's not a gift for him, right? That's compensating him, that's paying him for what he earned, right? Now, we're going to take it a step further, right? Because even if I gave him $25, and the cost is only $20, so I gave him an extra $5, I'm going to break this news to you, that $5 is still not a gift. It's a tip. Right? It's because he did something and he did it well and I wanted to give him extra that I gave him extra. That's a tip. That's a bonus. But it's still, in, it's still connected to what he did. Right? Now, if I just walked in a barbershop one day and I didn't sit down for a haircut and I just walked in the barbershop here in Cleveland and I gave Leroy $25 and I said, here you go, and I turned around and walked out, that's a gift. Right? That's not a, a compensation. That's not a wage. That is a gift given freely that, that he didn't earn and he didn't have to work for. Right? There's a difference between wages and tips and a gift. And what Scripture tells us in John chapter 3, verse 16, is that what God gave us was just that. It was a free gift. We have to understand there's this huge difference between a gift that somebody gives you and something that you have to work for. And John writes this in chapter uh, uh, 16. He says, For God loved the world in this way that he gave. And that word give or gave is a huge word there. It doesn't mean that he paid you back. It doesn't mean that he compensated you. It doesn't even mean that he tipped you because you were doing a good job. Right? God didn't look down on this earth and say, Hey, you guys are doing okay, so I'm going to give you something. You're, you're doing the right things. You're going to church the right amount of times. You're memorizing Scripture. He didn't look down on earth and say, Hey, I, you, you're doing well, and so I'm going to give you this, but I'm going to give you bonus this. 
God doesn't give us a tip for our righteousness. What He does is He gives us something because we were not righteous. Right? What he, we need to understand about this gift is that it doesn't come because we earned it. It doesn't come because we worked for it. It doesn't come because He saw that we were good and we just need a little bit of extra. And let me clarify why this is such an amazing and, and, and valid point for us. Because there are a lot of folks that kind of see themselves as good people. We just need a little bit of help. We're, we're 90% good. We're just 10% bad. And so we just need that extra 10% to get us into heaven. And so their picture of this gift is that 10%. That God just gave you the extra 10%. You make it 90% of the way. I'll make up the extra 10% and we'll call it even. No, what the gift of Scripture tells us and what John 3 verse 16 tells us is that you are 100% in debt. You are 100% bad. And you didn't earn 90% of your way. You didn't earn 50%. You didn't even earn 1%. You earned zero of this gift that God has given you. It is a free gift that He gave you. It's not payment. It's not compensation. It's not a tip because you did well. It's simply that He gave. There's nothing that you did to earn this gift. There's nothing you did or can do to gain it. You didn't work for it, and you don't deserve it. See, the verse doesn't say that God gave His Son because we earned it. It doesn't say He gave it because we deserved it. He gave it as a gift. And the reality is that he gave this gift because we didn't earn it. You see, this is what we talk about when we talk about this idea of grace, this, this word grace that we use so often, this unmerited favor that he gives just because he wants to. There's nothing attached to it, and there's nothing that you did to earn it. And he gives simply when we don't deserve, he gives. When we turn our back on him, we rebel against him, what does he do? He gives. There's nothing you did to deserve it. There's nothing you can do even to earn it. It is simply given by Him. And then we find out that what makes this such a beautiful gift is not only the fact that it was given to us freely, but it's given to us out of love. You see, that's the second thing about a gift. What makes a gift the greatest gift or the perfect gift is given out of love and not obligation. I heard a story this uh, a couple weeks ago uh, maybe a perfect illustration. It was a story about a, a school Christmas pageant. And of course, since it was school, you couldn't make it religious. And so there were snowmen, there were reindeer, there were Santa Claus. Nothing about Jesus at all, right? And so there was just all of this wintry stuff. And so the kindergarten class, they were doing this singing song. And, and the name of the song was Christmas Love, all right? And, and you probably have seen uh, some children's pageants like this before. Since the name was Christmas Love, then what do you do? You, you give each kid a letter that spells out Christmas love and so they hold their letter one way and, and so at the right time they flip that letter over and show it to the crowd so that eventually the crowd gets to see the the theme of the song that Christmas love and so they hold up the C and they say the C stands for Christmas and they hold up the H and the H stands for happiness and they hold up the R and, and you get the idea they just go through the whole thing until they spell out Christmas love and so uh, they were the whole crowd was quiet and everybody was just enjoying this and you've been to these plays before and grandma's over there with the camera and they're just so excited about little little Johnny being in this Christmas play and little Susie being in this Christmas play and they're so excited and they kept going down the list and, and C H R and so they just kept going down the list and they got to this little girl who had the letter M. She held up her sign and she was so proud of it, but as soon as she held it up, she started to hear people giggling and laughing, but she didn't really pay attention to what was going on. 
And she didn't understand why folks were giggling and laughing. The song had just kept going because the show must go on. And so as the song continued, uh, the, the crowd who was laughing at her began to get quiet. And by the time the song was over, all the letters were held up, and she was the star of the show without even knowing it. And all of a sudden, the whole message of Christmas in this play was changed because instead of an M, she held the letter up upside down. And so it became a W. And so instead of Christmas love, that now read Christ was love. And so it's this beautiful message that even though they weren't intending for this to be a Christian message, even though they weren't intending for this to be a religious thing, all of a sudden the crowd understood what Christmas was all about. It was this gift of love. It was not given out of obligation. And, and the greatest gifts are those that are given out of love. And John writes in John 3.16, For God loved the world in this way that He gave. And so there's not an obligation. God doesn't give because He has to. He simply gives because He wants to. And, and, and the greatest gifts are those that come out of love and not out of obligation. There's chances, if you're like our family and, and like my family growing up, that you have gifts that you give out of obligation. Right? And maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a chance that you just buy a gift because you feel like you have to. And, and maybe it's because there's people that always give you gifts and so you feel obligated to always give them gifts. And maybe it's for your boss because that's the right thing to do. You just give your boss a nice little Christmas gift. And maybe it's a coworker. And, and honestly, you don't, you don't want to. Like there's no desire to give them this gift. You just do it because it's the socially normal thing to do. It's this obligation to do, right? And when I was a kid, we, my mom, we always laughed at her. We, we kind of took this to the extreme. That she would have all of these gifts wrapped underneath the tree, and then she would have the bags, you know, not, not the, you know, just the bags with the tissue paper sticking out of it. And me and my brother, being the nosy two that we were, we wanted to know where all these gifts were going, and so we would try to figure them out. And we're like, "Who's this going to? And who's that doing?" She had tags on all of them, but we noticed that there were always like three or four bags that didn't. They had tags on them, but they were blank. And so as kids, we really thought like these were our special gifts that like they were just waiting until Christmas Day to, to spring on us. But then we started asking, we're like, hey, this one doesn't have a name for it. We tried to get extra information, like we tried to pride mom and pride mom and like, hey, whose gift is this? And she's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then we found out later what those gifts were. Those were the gifts for people that showed up that you forgot to buy a gift for or for the people who showed up that you didn't expect who brought a gift to your house and so then what you did was like, hold on, we've got something for you. And you went in the living room with a pen in your pocket and you wrote the name on that card and then you brought it out like it was theirs the whole time, right? And we don't do that at our house, right? At least I don't think we do. There may be some gifts I don't know about. But this is what my mom did all the time. And so there were these gifts that we gave completely out of obligation, that we just gave them to them because people showed up at our house and we weren't expecting them. They gave us something and we felt obligated to give them something back. And what John is telling us is this is not what God does. 
What he's telling us in this passage is the gift that God gave us that he simply gave it because he loved. For God loved the world in this way. And he gives us the reason that God gave us Jesus was not out of obligation. It wasn't to to earn favor for us. It wasn't like given to a boss that you hope is going to sign off on your next promotion. It wasn't given to a neighbor who gave you something. It wasn't the extra bonus gifts hidden off the side that when somebody showed up, oh, look, those people are being really nice. They brought me something. Here's Jesus. It's not that way. The gift of Jesus is simply because He loved us. Simply because He does this. This is His character. This is what He does. And so it's not something He gives because He feels guilty. It's not something He gives because uh, He feels this obligation. He simply gives because of His love for us. Can I share something with you? The beauty of the gift of Jesus is that He gained nothing from it. This is how we know that He gave it out of love. There is nothing that God gained that He couldn't have had some other way through the birth of Jesus. You're like, well, yeah, we're sitting here in church this morning. He gained us worshiping Him. Let's be honest. You think of yourself really highly if you think God gained your worship because of Jesus. Because you got to understand that God sits on a throne in heaven and 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, there are multitudes, heavenly hosts, that sing His praise. And your voice might be strong. You may sing like an angel. You may sound beautiful. But I'm going to be honest with you. Compared to a multitude of the heavenly hosts constantly praising Him, we got to be pretty inflated to think that we deserve that. we got to be pretty inflated to think that we add to that. Does He want that? Absolutely But he doesn't have to have it. He didn't obligate himself to give us Jesus because he was going to gain something from us. He simply gave us Jesus because this is who he is. This is his character. This is what Christ, or this is what God does. And yet he goes on and gives us this gift out of love. And then he gives us this gift which makes it the perfect gift because it meets our greatest need. I heard a heartwarming story uh, several weeks ago about a young orphan boy who was selling papers on a cold, freezing Christmas Eve afternoon. And towards the end of the afternoon, the young boy uh, went up to a police officer and he said, Sir, I'm really cold and I'm nearly freezing to death last night. And Do you know of somewhere that I can go tonight just to, to get warm? And the policeman said, Yeah, there's a mission house down the street. And if you'll just go to that mission house, the big white house down there, if you'll just go to that big white mission house, knock on the door, they'll let you in. And the little boy said, well, what's the mission? He said, just go to that big white house. And by the way, when you knock on the door, just tell them the password. He said, all right, what's the password? And he said, the password is John 3, verse 16. And if you tell them that, they'll know that a police officer sent you there. They'll know that you're safe and you're fine to go in there. So the little boy listened to what the police officer said. He went and he knocked on the big, huge door. And uh, the moment uh, this man opened the door, and he saw this young boy stand there. The little boy just remembered the only thing that he could think of was the password. John 3, verse 16. And so he looked at the man and he said, John 3, verse 16. And the man said, come on in, son. The little boy said, well, I don't know what John 3, verse 16 means, but it's what gets me into the house. And the man walked him in. He said, son, are you cold? And he said, sir, I'm cold. I'm shaking all over and I about froze to death last night. And the man walked him over and he said, well, come on in here. And he walked him over this huge fireplace. And he said, now, son, you just get as close to that fireplace as you need to get. And you just sit there as long as you need to. And you just get as warm as you need so that the warmth just soaks all the way in. The little boy sat by that fireplace and he got warmer and warmer 
any warmer. And all he could think to himself was, I don't know anything about John 3, verse 16, but I know it got me in the big house, and I know it makes a little cold boy warm. A little while later, the man came, and he said, Son, are you hungry? And the boy said, Sir, I don't remember the last time I've had a good meal. It's been days. And so the man said, Well, come on in here, son. And he took him from the fireplace to the, to the dining room, and the little boy walked in. And on this dining room table was this huge turkey, and there was all the dressings and, and cranberry sauce and, and mashed potatoes and pies and cakes and all of these things that he couldn't even imagine eating them all. And he said, Son, just go ahead and, and pull your chair up here. And he said, Son, I want you to eat until you are full. And I want you to eat until you can't eat anymore. The little boy grabbed a chair and he pulled himself up to the table. And he said, I don't know what John 3 verse 16 means, but it got me in the house. It got me warm. And it sure makes a hungry boy satisfied. And he ate until he couldn't eat anymore. And finally the little man said, Son, are you tired? And he said, Sir, I'm so tired. I've been sleeping on the streets. I've had nowhere to sleep. I haven't had a good night's sleep. And I don't know. I don't remember the last time I got to sleep in a bed. He said, well, come on with me. So he took him from the, the dining room table and took him upstairs to a bedroom there. And he said there was this bed there. He walked into the room and there was this huge bed. had clean sheets on it. And he laid down on, not on the sheets, but there was this big heavy quilt. And it was the softest bed he'd ever been in in his life. And he said, son, now I want you to stay in this warm bed and sleep here as long as you want to sleep here. Next morning, the young boy woke up he said, I don't know what John 3, verse 16 means, but I know it got me in the house. I know it got me warm. I know it fed me. And I know it made a tired boy rest. You see, the greatest gift is one that meets our greatest needs. And for that young boy, those were his greatest needs at the time. But what John tells us, and not in verse 16, but actually verse 17, is that our greatest need is not just to be hungry or, or full. It's not just to, to have a great celebration. Our greatest need is the gift of salvation. In verse 17, he puts it this way, For God did not send His Son into the world that He might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. You see, our greatest need was to be saved from our sins. We didn't need someone to come and, and show us our sins. We didn't need someone to point out our sins. We didn't need someone to come in and condemn us and tell us how wrong we were. Because let's be honest with you, we've got enough people telling us that. We've got enough of the voice of the world telling us that we're wrong and we're terrible and all this stuff. We don't need to feel more guilty or be more judged. What we need is a way out of that guilt and a way out of that judgment. And this is what the gift of Jesus does for us. D.A. Carson, a great theologian and pastor, once wrote that if God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he'd have sent an economist. If he perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he'd have sent a comedian or an artist. If he'd perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he had sent us a politician. If he'd perceived that our greatest need was health, then he'd sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sins, our alienation from him, and our profound rebellion, our death. And so what did he send us? He sent us a Savior that could handle our greatest need. You see, the greatest gift is one that provides, provides and takes care of our greatest needs. But it doesn't just do it in the temporary. It does it for all eternity. You see, your greatest gift is one that keeps on giving. I read an article a little while back that said, if you want to give the best gifts, there are three criteria that you must meet to give the best gifts. Number one, the gift should reflect the one who gives it, which is what Christ does because He's the Son 
of the one who gives it. It says, number two, the gift should reflect the knowledge of the one who receives it. In other words, there should be knowledge of what that person needs, desires, or wants. Um, and so we just talked about that, that this is the gift of Christ, that he meets what we need and what we desire most, which is to be back with him. We need a Savior. And it says the number third, or the third thing that the best gifts need is they need to be of a nature and quality that holds its value over time. Right? And I love the gifts that we get that hold value. And I don't know uh, how many of you gave gifts uh, this morning or last night, and you gave this gift that you just thought was going to be perfect. And then you gave this gift to a kid, and you wrapped it up, and it was all beautiful, and you're like, this is going to be the best gift ever. And when this kid unwraps this gift, he's going to be so excited about this gift. And this kid that you were so excited about, this gift that you was in this box, unwrapped this thing, and then they opened the box, and they dumped all the stuff that you were so excited about them playing with and so excited about them giving or getting, and they shoved it off to the corner, and 30 minutes later, they're playing with the box. I know I played with a lot of boxes as a kid, and the things that I thought were going to have value and the things that my parents thought I was going to value the most didn't really hold the value that long. They held my attention for 10, 20, maybe 30 minutes, but then there was this box that I could play with. And, and then the box held value for a while, and then it faded away. And, and then by next Christmas, and actually my birthday's in June, so I have the perfect time because I get a half, or a half a year. I only have to wait half a year till I get another set of gifts. But by the time my birthday rolled around, I had a whole other set of list of here's things I want. Because that stuff is old and it doesn't have the value that it had for me next or for in December. And then in December, I had a whole nother list. And so the greatest gift is something that's going to hold its value, something that's going to keep its value, something that's not going to diminish, diminish for a long time. We go back to verse 16. It says, For God loved the world in this way, that He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Eternal life is simply just that. It is life without end. It is life that doesn't diminish. It is life that doesn't fade. And the hard time that we have in figuring this out, the hard time we have picturing how great this gift is, is because we know nothing that has eternal value here on earth. We know nothing that has eternity. Everything we know on earth starts at some point, and then it fades out until it is no more. Everything throughout our history has done that. Greatest kingdoms in the world have started at some point, and then faded through their time, and faded out. The greatest people that we have known in our life have started and then they have faded over time. But he's telling us there's this gift that I'm giving you that's going to last for all eternity. And it's not just going to last for all eternity. It's going to be the same for all eternity. It's going to be this beautiful thing that lasts for all eternity. It's not going to fade. It's not going to diminish. It's going to hold its value for all eternity beyond what you can even imagine. And the last thing I'll point out to you is simply what we see in verse 18. That the greatest gift is something that must be received. I want you to imagine that if you had a gift and you were so excited about giving this gift and you gave it to the person, you offered it to the person and the person looked at you in straight face and said, no, nah, that's okay. I don't think I want that. Could you imagine how crushing that would be? And then you're like, no, you don't understand how great this gift is. And, and maybe it's the wrapping paper. Maybe I didn't wrap it pretty enough. Maybe I didn't put the bow on it just right. And so you're so excited about them receiving this gift because you know the value of it, and they just can't see it. 
And so you rip the wrapping paper off yourself, and you rip the bow off yourself, because you know if they could just see the greatness of this gift, they would have no choice but to receive it. And so then you open it all up, and you're like, look how great this is. And that same person looks at you and says, no, that's okay. I think I've got something better in my back room. You see, the greatest gift is not just one that's given, but it has to be received. In John chapter 3, verse 18, he tells us, that anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe in Him or does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the one and only Son of God. See, I share this with you, and this is the quality, because there are so many people that think that just because the gift was offered, they have it. But what verse 18 tells us and makes very clear is the gift is offered but you must receive it. And we receive it by believing that it's offered to us and then by making it our own, by taking it in and receiving it to ourselves. You see, you don't receive the gift because you showed up in church this morning. You don't receive the gift because your parents drug you to church every single Christmas morning for as long as you can remember. You don't receive the gift because your parents receive the gift or your grandparents receive the gift. The gift is offered to you. And the question this morning is, are you willing to receive it? looking straight at the gift that God has given you, the greatest gift that you'll ever see, the one who lasts for all eternity, the one who meets your greatest need, the one who's given completely out of love and not obligation, will you receive it? Because verse 18 makes it very clear, there is a choice. And some will choose to receive it, and some will not. And the question for all of us as we consider Christmas this morning is not, is the gift available? Is not, is the gift good? Is not, is the gift going to fit what we need? The question for all of us is, will we receive it? And will we be the ones who believe and not be condemned? Or will we simply turn our back to it yet again? Let's pray together.